think the approach is about staying open-minded and listening to, to the customer, asking the right questions instead of being quick to say, no, or we don't work that way, or it's not possible. You're kind of like at the doorstep of opportunity. You could handle it a couple different ways, and you don't know what's, what's on the other side of that door. So instead of shutting it down, I just try to listen, to ask questions. What does your ideal solution look like? Remove some of the barriers, approaching it with an open mind and really listening helps unlock a lot of opportunities. Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. We going Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. As always, uh, we appreciate likes, shares, and subs like subscriptions. Always love it. But if you get value from this conversation with Heather, my preference is that you would share it with one person. So if there's someone that you're thinking about that says, oh, they might actually find this really interesting or they would benefit from this with their business, I just ask that if you, if you resonate with Heather's story and you think of someone else that could resonate with it, that you would share it with that person because my goal is to get one person value. If one person gets value from this, this is worth it and it's worth the time investment and the, uh, and the, and the effort we put into it. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, today I have on my, on my show, I'm super excited. She, I, she, she and I have connected and I've been following her journey for a little bit. Um, she started as an eBay arbitrage business at 11 years old, right? and then scaled all the way through retail, and then going now for the last 12 years of founding and scaling Shoppable, which is an incredible business that I can't wait to kind of talk a lot about. Um, I have Heather Udo on my, on my podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you, Heather. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Grant. I'm so glad to be here with you. <laughs> yeah, so, so tell me, it sounds like, I'm, I'm just guessing, based on your experience for the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years, like, has entrepreneurship always been something that, that you're like, I, I really, I, you just had to do it? Have you always been that side hustle person? I have. I have since, since a young age. I think for me, it's, it's always been about a combination of building something from nothing and related yeah. to that as someone who, you know, in some respects likes to work. <laughs> I yeah. would say, I think that's fair to say that it's nice. Like when you work hard and you put everything into something as an entrepreneur, it's so nice to see it come to fruition. And it's so nice to kind of have that autonomy. And that's something yep. that for whatever reason, I've just loved from an early age. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So, so talk to me about like what what led you to to Shoppable. It sounds like I mean you worked you worked in marketing media for a little bit. You worked in retail for a little bit. What like you had such a wealth of experience on so many different things. What did you think like this is my specialty and I really want to hone in on this? Interesting. I mean, I think so. With Shoppable, it really came out of a personal frustration more than I felt like my expertise. In in all honesty. Mm. I had a little bit of imposter syndrome at the beginning because I felt like I wasn't uh, like deep enough of the industry. And I spent yeah. a long time, you know, uh, researching and kind of looking into why hadn't this been done before? And, you know, what am I missing? That type of thing. But, but yeah, yeah. really, I started it 
because of my own experience as a consumer and one that you've probably had and everyone listening right now has probably had too, which is we discover great products all around us and there's that time where you were watching something on your TV or you were on a blogger site or you were on Pinterest or any number of great content sites and you found something that you wanted to buy and you couldn't. And you probably either gave up and then just didn't buy it and mean, you know, meaning you didn't end up purchasing that product that you wanted and the seller didn't end up selling to you, which they would have wanted to happen, you know, or you went to Google, tried to describe the product, which is an experience I did repeatedly, tried to figure out what brand may, maybe sells, you know, that throw blanket or whatever the product yeah. was at the time. And sometimes 45 minutes later, I still can't figure out who, where I can buy the product. And, you know, as a consumer, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel like these retailers don't want my money. And it was this mm. aha moment where I'm like, okay, of course they do. <laughs> and, but, you know, if the buyers and sellers are not meeting and I'm like, yeah. I can't be the only person having this problem. So if the, the buyer and sellers aren't, aren't finding each other and whoever's creating this great content isn't able to monetize it, then something's broken. And that really led me down the rabbit hole of does something exist? And ultimately in creating Shoppable, um, through the, the means of essentially we partner with all the major retailers from Walmart, um, Walgreens, Best Buy, Sephora, Saks Fifth Avenue, you know, et cetera. We partner with all the major retailers and created this universal product catalog of 450 mm -hmm. million SKUs. And then we created this universal checkout that we license and embed into platforms, into ads, into videos, into content, you name it, we make it shoppable. That's awesome. That's incredible. So what, like, that's such a, did you start with that big of a vision to like make that process seamless? Like I, I, I struggle with people that like, when they, they're like, I'm going to create a software, I'm going to create a SaaS that wants to achieve something so dramatically big. Right. Like I, sometimes it's really hard to launch that. Sometimes it's really hard to like get some traction. So what was the, like, what was that initial phase? Like of you saying like, yeah, I want to solve this problem because like there, there's so many steps in between. Oh yeah. Wanting to solve that problem and getting to where you at. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I mean, there are so many, um, I would say kind of, you know, evolutions along the way. I won't say, um, pivots, but it's around evolutions because from the beginning, everything has been about our this creating this universal shopping experience and being able to you know to be agnostic to all of the retailers you know and i'm sure we'll talk about amazon in a minute but i think that's one of the key things is that we're agnostic we don't hold any inventory we don't push you know feel the need to to push um our own products because we don't have our own products we essentially, at the very beginning, we started Shoppable as kind of the, the first proof of concept was still around this universal checkout, this universal product catalog, right? So we partner with all of the major retailers. We started with the biggest ones in, you know, in the U.S. from, you know, a Walmart, Sephora, Ulta, Saks Fifth Avenue, Macy's, um, you know, Best Buy. I'm forgetting a bunch, but we started with these biggest, the biggest retailers and then created this large product catalog and then this universal shopping um, experience through our multi-retailer checkout. So the, the difference between where we are today and where we first started was um, 
one of one of the differences I would say was we the first proof of concept was a destination site, so you could purchase um, you know some products from Saks Fifth Avenue and you could also purchase some products from you know OscarDeLaRenta.com but within a single um, checkout so you could buy the handbag at the same time as you bought the dress from another retailer right and it was streamlined into one checkout so that's where we started the proof of the initial proof of concept and then um, you know I got a lot of advice early on saying you have to go and talk to your customers and I we had this really kind of light proof of concept and everything else that I was kind of envisioning was in a PowerPoint <laughs> yeah and I luck luckily for me was able to get in with a lot of the largest publishing houses here in New York and be able to speak to them um, essentially pitch them on what I was building, get their feedback while we were still building a lot of it. And they helped really craft how we got from from that to where we are today. Because very early on, I had an editor-in-chief of um, one of these big magazines sitting in a room with about 20 other uh, staff and me, and they said, we love this, but we want to embed it on our website. And at the time, I was thinking about things. This is very, very early days, but I was thinking about the tech, you know, having all of these publishers redirect to one location with one checkout instead of to you know all the different retailers and brands and advertisers that they work with. And anyway, that conversation was so pivotal, pivotal because, you know, she said we we love this and we'll use it, we'll send you traffic, but only for so long, because ultimately we want it, we want to check out on our site, and we want yeah. the ability to, to not have to send our traffic away from our site, because that's, you know, th that's such an important part of their business. So essentially yeah. what I'm hearing is we had a temporary solution, but it wasn't going to be a long-term, you know, we wouldn't have a long-term product market fit. So I went around, kind of dug into that more, and then I gave myself 30 days to decide if I wanted to go from this destination approach basically, um, basically to B2B SaaS, which was not exactly how we were setting things up at the beginning. And I realized, wait a minute, that's an even bigger business that has um, so much more potential. And that's really where I see e-commerce going anyway. So it's like, how do we, you know, do we continue as is, but we have a solve for a short term? Maybe it's, it's, I mean, it was definitely would have been easier if we stuck in that lane. Or do we expand? Do we kind of um, transition from a destination to SaaS? And that's what we ultimately did. I love that. I love that. So the, the last 12 years, I'm sure it's taken so many different forms. Have, or, or are you saying that, like, basically from what you had at the beginning, you've kind of continued on the trajectory with that long-term partnership mindset because you're creating a product that fits something long-term. Do you, have you seen evolutions over the last decade for what the company does? Or do you feel like just cause like social media changes so much mm -hmm. companies change so much tech changes so much, like what, what things do you feel like, okay, this has always been true for us and how we help people. Yeah. So it, it has its evolutions and I would say it's more about, um, 
kind of additions, product features, and, and how we're bringing it to the market. But ultimately, what remains the same is that we have this retailer agnostic product catalog, and we have our multi-retailer checkout that can make anything shoppable and convert to purchases anywhere. That's always been the same since that point in time. But the solutions that we offer has evolved, you know, and and again, I think a lot of that is about listening to the market, getting feedback from from our customers, from our prospects. And, you know, early on, again, you know, this is probably 11 years or, or so ago, we had one solution. So, you know, and, and customers also wanted things to be hyper manual because they wanted absolute control over every single product that would show up where it would show up they wanted um, to replace the images they wanted to use their own you know just they wanted so much control Mm. over every detail and obviously that can't last forever so i would say that's one thing that's that's changed and then another was we started I spoke at a um, uh, L2 event, which I think is, is uh, was acquired as, as Gardner now. But I spoke on stage at an L2 uh, digital event in New York. And afterwards, uh, and this is one of the great things about being in New York, afterwards, one of the largest uh, CPG companies in, um, actually in the world, someone came up to me and said, can your technology be used by consumer packaged good companies? And I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Why, you know, why not? You have a website? Yes. Do you want to add shopping t- capabilities to it? Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know, and, and this, re- this uh, brand or, or um, CPG conglomerate, they sell in Walmart and Walgreens and CVS and Rite Aid and all these other partners of ours. And that conversation, you know, led to just a huge area of opportunity for, for Shoppable. Yeah. Um, yeah. and being able to make these brand websites shoppable. And they really helped us create a product that we now call D2C Lite or Direct-to-Consumer Lite, which takes a site that is not a direct-to-consumer experience and makes it look like one, but all of the the products are curated from our catalog. In a brand's case, they only curate their own branded products, but they all of the fulfillment goes through the preferred retail partners through Shoppable's checkout. So they really helped us uh, craft that product and then build it yeah. and we built it out in a scalable way for, for other CPGs. Yeah, talk to me. I want to I wanna dive in on that, right? Because I think you, you took advantage of, of, of a golden opportunity, right? So like you're, you're networking at the appropriate events. You find yourself in the right situation at an inflection point, I'm sure, where you're saying, how do we go from a very uh, specialized product per customer to this is what we're going to be able to do for a bunch of customers, which allows us to create kind of a, an overarching product that a lot of people will want. That initial relationship, right? Do you feel like that, like what was your reaction to being like, yeah, this is exactly what we need to get to where we want to go. Like how, how did you approach that, in, that encounter to make it so that like you were actually ta- able to take advantage of that opportunity? Because a lot of times people come across those opportunities and they don't take advantage or they come across those opportunities and they, and they blow it. Um, so, so what, what was the reason that you think like, okay, it really worked out for us and it's led to a lot of the growth that you've been able to have? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I think it's about, I think the approach is about staying open-minded and making sure 
in, in listening to, to the customer, asking the right questions instead of being quick to say no or we don't work that way or it's not possible. You know, when I'm having those types of conversations and it feels, you know, you're kind of like at the doorstep of opportunity, you could handle it a couple yep. different ways and you don't know what's, what's on the other side of that door. So instead of shutting it down um, or taking over and leading the conversation, which I think as entrepreneurs, um, we have to be careful with because we get so excited. You know, someone's interested in your technology, someone's interested in your product. So I just try to, um, to, to listen, to ask questions and to, to say, you know, what kind, you know, what does your ideal solution look like? What are you, you know, if you could have any type of experience, what does that look like? And then it removes some of the, the barriers from, and the constraints from how someone will think about something. If I told them exactly what we do or can't do up front, then they're going to be already in a box and be, mm. be thinking within that box, right? So I think, so that's really how I try to approach it is, is, is um, from that perspective and that kind of open mind, you know, approaching it with an open mind and really listening helps unlock a lot of opportunities. <laughs> that's, a, that's a classic uh, sales approach as well, where it's basically if you are talking too much you're not going to make the sale, but if you listen and you, <laughs> yeah, if you listen and you ask questions, usually people, because people in general they like talking. So uh, I love, I love that. It's a good highlight. Um, do you think I, 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 something I've, I've found with people in the tech space in the SaaS space, um, developers are frequently saying they're building tools all the time building tools that they are very passionate about and they think solve a lot of solve a lot of issues but they neglect to build something and be able to market it and present it in the right places and they're not thinking about how I can bridge the gap between other things that are working so um, can you speak to like if there's people that are listening to this that are thinking about how can I be that middleman between these tools between these companies that need that bridge. Um, how should someone approach building something like that could be a, a solution that can scale enterprise, but you need to start by solving something simple? Yeah, that's a good point. I think, um, I think it depends on, on a lot of different things, but I would say one of the most important um, things is you have to figure out if what you want to do is a product or a feature. And that's something that a serial entrepreneur um, did a whole talk on um, uh, many, many years ago when I was at this, the last startup before I started Shoppable. And, you know, if you think about, let's say, like, um, I'll use, use an example that everyone's probably heard of, Twitter, a.k.a. X now. But, you know, when Twitter was in its earlier days, um, there was also another company that was like, okay, I want to create a, a new company on that allows um, people to share photos on Twitter. Well, ultimately, that's just a feature that Twitter could re release, and then your whole company, company, in, in quotes, can just go away. Maybe they'll buy it, but maybe it just completely goes away. And if they don't buy it, you know, what else are you doing with it? So um, I think part of, yeah, one of the most important places to start is just figuring out, is your idea a business? Is it something that can be um, a product? Is it something that's a feature or is it a full business? And mm. if 
and and again thinking about um the product is it something that is solving a need now and will that need be there longer term too so kind of going back to how i was having those conversations and i realized that the initial way i was thinking about it was solving a short-term need but that need was probably not going to be there in a few years so yeah yeah that's how i approach it i love that i love that Um, okay so so tell me about this I, i i You've you've you're solving this incredible problem. Uh, there's I see so much opportunity for you to scale. What is your vision for Shoppable in the future? Like, what do you what do you envision doing? Like, are there particular partnerships you're excited to, to kind of pursue? Like, are you do you have a revenue goal in mind? Do you have like a like we'd really like to get into this platform or this you know this niche? Like, what 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 do you envision for the next steps? Yeah, so. The you know the the vision is essentially creating a shoppable layer across all forms of digital media, so um, that's at everything from your TV to anything you can access on your phone, on your laptop, um, any smart devices that you have. Ultimately, it's being able to with one click or one command, depending upon where you know where you're interacting with it be able to um, purchase a product, but even um, before that, you'll be able to see what retailers have it in stock, all of them. <laughs> Here are all the yeah. retailers that have it in stock. Here's who has the best price. Here's who can ship it to you the fastest. Here's who can get it to you today if you need same-day delivery. Um, you know, And here's something that looks like it. You know, maybe, maybe it's a custom product that doesn't exist anymore, but here's something that looks like it. Someone could, 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 could make it. Um, but all of those, those important um, features will, you know, should, should automatically happen in, in, the, in the, you know, the consumer experience. And there's so many hoops that consumers are jumping through, like searching, trying to search for a promo code and, and track it down and, and then price check and price comparison from site to site. Um, let's just make that a lot easier. <laughs> let's yeah. save the consumer time, bring the cart to them, make all of that happen automatically. So, you know, that's the direction that we're going. But I would say in the, the short term, kind of more immediate things that we're doing, we um just announced our release of Shoppable's checkout API, which essentially it's it means that um, any company or platform can license Shoppable's multi-retailer checkout and they can build it directly into their whole platform and make it available to anything and anyone on their platform automatically at scale. That's awesome. And That's awesome. Yeah, and we're so excited about it because normally, you know, in the past, Shoppable has been creating these experiences on a one-to-one um, implementation. So a single license, a single shop that we're setting up, um, which is great, but this takes that concept and we do one API integration. And then, um, you know, we have very um, several ad tech partners that are implementing it into their platforms to make all of their ads shoppable. And we have shoppable TV partners mm-hmm. that are, uh, that have some of them that have and have launched shoppable's technology in within their platform. So all of their um, CTV commercials can be made shoppable and can <laughs> them. So it's that, that is really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of stuff that, that we're really doing in the short term. And it's, it's very, very exciting. 
Well, let's dive let's dive into that because I see I see so many things that are weaving together where they're, they're we're trying to blend content with product in new ways. That's UGC creators, TikTok. There's there's uh, it seems like every platform, Meta included, TikTok included, I think Amazon included. Many people are trying to say, okay, how can we display a video that shows a product and also allow people to buy that same product within that video, right? And that's, I, I, I mean, and I think Meta just also just uh, released a, uh, a, a new digital glasses where essentially you'll be able to look around into whatever that store is and be able to look at the products that are visibly displaying and, and look at their price points, look at whatever's happened. So in a world that is going to connect products with uh with just uh everyday media like how how is shoppable going to be that bridge or do you think that there's going to be a bunch of competitors that are going to try to create their own thing and you just have an advantage by being there first i would say both but um but shoppable we certainly have multiple advantages by being first and i would say the number one is we have patents on our technology, so we're protected yeah. on, on that. We have uh, four patents on what we do. So um, from that perspective, other companies are, you know, are prevented from being able to do what we do. And um, so that's a huge, huge advantage. Um, obviously, anyone else trying, um, there's legal stuff that I, you know, <laughs> I can't get into, but um, but but you know yeah. what I mean. So so there's there's that aspect, but I think, you know, the one of the other advantages is that it, um, and also in some respects it was a disadvantage. But by being first, um, we had to, we really had to educate the market and all parts of the market, especially the retailers, because as I first started reaching out to retailers and pitching them on this concept. Um, I got so many email replies saying, oh, uh, we don't operate that way. That's not, that's not how our, you know, our commerce works. I'm like, I know it doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let me tell you why it should. And in any way, so, so it, it certainly took time, but I also, you know, built those relationships with, with, with those companies. And again, I started with the biggest ones, which are the hardest to get but it helped us get the breadth of products. And that's why we have 450 million products today. Whereas yeah. had we started with each of these, like the smaller D2C brands, we might have more partners as a whole, but less, you know, but less inventory and less recognizable um, retailers and, and brands that we'd be working with. So yeah. I think those things kind of yeah. give us an advantage, but we'd be so happy and lucky to be able to fulfill <laughs> that need that you're you're speaking to, for sure. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. So, so I also want to talk. I want to talk about you and your experience a little bit. So, you're you're talking about these negotiations with such large companies, and you've built something that's so incredible. Like, what what is do you, do you find yourself extremely confident in those conversations? Does that come naturally to you to, to, to pitch, to sell on that front? Or do you feel like that's like, that's something you've had to learn along the way? I think a lot of people would hesitate. They'd feel some level of imposter syndrome. They feel some level of like, um, fear and trepidation approaching such like large companies and saying, here, can I give you the solution? Um, it's just, you know, selling to selling to enterprises is a completely different thing. That's true. Yeah. I, I think it's something you get used to now. Um, 
I mean, now I'm certainly used to it. We uh, work with uh, many of the, I would say, for Fortune 500, even Fortune 50, Fortune 100 um, advertisers within within the space. So it's I'm used to speaking to them at this point, but I still, you know, will occasionally get off a call and be be like, wow, that was that's cool. That's X Y Z brand. Or <laughs> the a couple weeks ago, I was speaking to. Um, I can't name names, but a, but a very large advertiser. And on the call, this is a, someone who was a kind of, I think he was the head of innovation or VP of innovation. And on the call, he was like, this is the coolest technology that I have ever seen for, you know, non-D2C brands like, like theirs. And he's like, but you don't want to hear that from us. You know, he's like, you, you know that already. You don't want to hear that. And I was like, please, please, I do. <laughs> You're exactly the, the person I want to hear this from. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. And my, might I quote you tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. So, like, yeah, what, what, what you, has that confidence? Like, how do you, how, I guess you come off as so humble. Like that's just your personality. You come off as like like so approachable and humble. Like, I feel like there's so many people that would be in your position would be extremely arrogant. Does does like that? Does, and I'm like, I'm not just trying to butter you up, but like, what what leads to your tone where you feel like you have? Because you have all the cards. You have a product that everybody wants. You're solving an issue that is going to be extremely relevant in the next five years. And I think any venture capitalist or any startup person is like how do you do what you do because you've you've gotten to the point that a lot of them want to get to so how how like how can how is your tone so humble with all that you've accomplished well th thank you i appreciate that and i'm i'm glad to hear that that's you know that that's that that's how how i come off um because i think it's important i think that we we all want to work with people that that we like and that we enjoy working with right so um, I mean, even at, at Choppable, we, um, for like team members and stuff, we have a, I don't know if I can, can I curse on here? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for it. We go have a it. no asshole part, <laughs> the policy, right? So, um, you know, so no one that, you know, you're, you can't have a head that's too big to fit, fit in the room because you're just not going to succeed within um, our, our culture. And yeah. I think that's important within the company, but it's also important externally too. We, um, in, in fostering these relationships and, and people that we want to work with. And, you know, we do have a lot of customers that, you know, they're big brands and companies, but there's people within those brands and companies. And then we try to, you know, keep and maintain those relationships within, within the companies too. But, um, but yeah, I think it, it, it's just, it's part of, um, I would say it's part of who I am too. So I, uh, live in New York now, but I grew up in Wisconsin. So I'm, I like to say I'm Midwest night. That makes sense. But I'm New York. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. So, so talk to me about like, you're in an industry where CEOs, uh, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very aggression. Like the more aggressive you are, it's almost like the, the more you hustle, the more like uh, it encourages alpha, uh, tones and alpha mentalities. How how have you been able to like? Have you just been able to beat them just because of you've been product focused? Like, you know, like I think a lot of women that probably would listen to this would be like, man, I, I would love to accomplish this, and I would love to figure out how you've done this, and and not come across as as an asshole as you say. Like, 
how how do you bridge that gap? Because I think I think it's I haven't come across many females that have been able to do that very well. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think it it's a good question. I think part of it is um, I think part of it is confidence, and part of it is um, yeah. I think and I think part of it is is product, and part of it is. Um, I would say is industry, industry knowledge too, which I, as I said earlier, I didn't feel like I had enough of it at the beginning, but I dove in so deep so that I could get over that and feel confident about where all of the different industries were at when I was starting that I had, you know, that I understood where the timing was and where things would go. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a combination of things, but it's part of it is, um, is also practice. And I've, as you said, I've been doing this for 12 years now and it has certainly gotten easier to have, have, you know, conversations with these really big companies and also to not be scared by, you know, um, you know, for lack of a better term by, by someone else that's, that's trying to compete within the space. And at the end of the day, we try not to, to, to think too much about competitors. Um, I mean, we have, (laughs) Well, I probably can't say that, but we have we have competitors that are looking at us quite a bit. I can I can say that because yeah. you can you can yeah. tell by what they're doing, um, fo- following along as best as they can. But um, but yeah, we try not to to think too much about them because the at the end of the day, what a competitor does is not within your control, and you can you have a limited set of time and a limited set of energy every day that you can put into something. So are you going to put it into thinking about your competitor and their CEO or this guy or whoever, or you can put it into your business and your product and helping your customers and try to, trying to add more value and um, grow your business. And that's what I try to focus on. I love that. I love that. And, and I, I think something that you're, you're, you're touching on, which I think is valuable for anybody to hear. Like I, I talk to a lot of people, and I think confidence does a lot. Um, even if it's blind confidence, confidence does a lot because you can just communicate something boldly. You can toe the line of arrogance, but if you're confident, it'll get you into more rooms. There's another thing that I think works better, which is evidence. And that's what you're preaching to where it's like, hey, I, well, I, I have 12 years of experience doing this, helping solve this problem. And my product being better has gotten me in all these stores and all these rooms. I wish more people would focus more energy I, think, I guess I feel convicted because myself included like focus more energy on on being confident in our evidence rather than the intention of what we want to do so I I, 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 I want to transition to this like what what for you like as you accomplish things in your business what are you going to try to do to accomplish things just as in, in terms of like balance for your life because like I'm sure things can go in many different directions. Do you have like, are, are all of your goals mostly business focused now or are you trying to grow something for your brand and help other people hmm. with the experience that you've had? Great question. Um, no, I mean, I have um, both personal, you know, personal goals as well as the business goals. But I think, um, I yeah, I'd love help trying to help other entrepreneurs. And, you know, I love the entrepreneurial community and, you know, um, we all have different unique experiences and we're all in on our own journeys and at different points in, in our journey. But 
you can always learn from each other. So I also, you know, one of the reasons I love talking to other entrepreneurs too is just learning from from them and um, how I can improve myself, improve my business, improve my leadership styles. But for for sure, I want to to, to help others in any way that I can. Um, absolutely, love it, love it. So yeah, what what do you think practically that's going to look like over the next five years? Do you think like are you going to invest more in, in terms of like your content? Are you going to invest more in just in terms of like you'll do more presentation stuff and you'll work more closely with people? Like what is what do you think that's going to look like? Yeah, I would say I'm investing more, and this is brand new for 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 me. Um, but investing more in content, in particular, kind of through my own um, personal channels too, um, and that's something that, admittedly, I. I will say I'm very uncomfortable with, but it's outside of my, you know, normal <laughs> comfort. I feel like I'm more of an introvert. Which is so, <laughs> so funny. That's so funny because that's what I'm saying. Like you're like, for someone that's accomplished so much to feel like uncomfortable in that is so interesting to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's weird for, it's more weird for me to do a video for social than it is to like go on live TV. <laughs> why is that? Yeah, why is that? Why do you think? What's the difference? Um, I think cause you're talking, you're kind of talking to yourself and, and I think that's, even though you're not, you're talking to your audience, to a community. I, I just, I feel like I'm talking to myself and for me, and part of it is I want to always be authentic and I want to come off that way too. And I think when I'm talking at my phone or something and there's not an actual human there, I'm like, do I sound? <laughs> I think I'm in my head. Like, do I sound inauthentic? Yeah. Does this sound like condescending? Does it sound this way? Does it sound, you know, any, you know, any which way? And I think that's, you know, that's my concern with it, that I, I need to get over and I'm, you know, putting in the right. <laughs> yeah, it's a limiting belief. Yeah. It's a limiting belief, Heather. We got to, we got to figure that exactly. out. So wait, so, so let me, let me, let, let, let's turn to that for a little bit. Like, so if you, if that's a vision for you, uh, cause I think it's a vision for a lot of people that probably listen to this. And there's a lot of business owners that I talk to that struggle with that, that think that is something that like, at least they have vision for it, but they are like, how do I get from point A to point B? What, who do you have like an idea of like who you want to help? Like if you're doing something for content, if you could say like the, I would love for this person to follow me. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like an ICP of follower almost. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say um, probably, I would say either, um, or I should say both, entrepreneurs kind of in their early days, um, I just really, although i am you know been doing this for 12 years and maybe that's why, just love the early days of kind of putting, um, putting together business and how do you get started? And I have a lot of friends that are just starting businesses and I love answering those questions for them and also helping them like not make some of the early mistakes that I made. So I would say, yeah, entrepreneurs that are early in their business as well as entrepreneurs that are starting um, brands within the, um, that they're starting their own D2C brand, or maybe they're selling through retail, or are, um, uh, you know, launching SaaS businesses, technology, those, those types of entrepreneurs, I would say. What, uh, yeah, so, so on that, if that's the type of entrepreneur that you're looking to help, like, what, what is, like, yeah, what's the, the person, like, what, what do you think you could say to them? Let's talk to them right now. Like, what, what's something that you think that a lot of them, they're looking at you and saying, man, I would love to get in her shoes. I'd love to be able to have those kind of conversations. Like, that's their dream. Mm -hmm. um, what, like, 
Can you give them a tactical solution for how they can probably help their customer right now and how they can focus on their product? Because I think based on what everything you've said, like you've just spent so much time focused on that, that getting to where you're at is a byproduct mm-hmm. of it. Um, so from a tactical perspective of like, I want to help entrepreneurs looking to, to scale a D to C, a B to B company, right? Like there's, there's everyone that's in Y Combinator is trying to do that. Every single one, you know, like every, every single person that is living in San Francisco and, and is trying to do that right now. Like what, what's the nitty gritty of like, this is something that it takes. Like what have you sacrificed mm. in order to achieve what you've done? Well, I think um, it's a big question. I guess there's probably a couple parts to to that. I would say, I mean, in the early days, it's you're really sacrificing a lot of your personal life, and um, you know, and even like your, you know, unless you're starting out independently wealthy, let me put it that way, <laughs> you're sacrificing yeah, yeah. a lot of your kind of um comforts and things like that or you 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 likely should be to be able to do what you need to do to get it off the ground um and even if you are independently wealthy you should sacrifice your um you know a lot of your like maybe after work activities and some of your weekend activities and things that you need to do to get super super focused on your product on your vision and your business and like where, you know, and the, the, the big vision and then what are the short term steps that you need to get there? And then having those conversations with prospective partners and customers and getting in front of them, um, early, I would say, but you know, part of, part of that for me in the early days, what, what I did and what worked for me was, you know, I, at the time when I very first started shoppable, I was still living in San Francisco and I was living downtown, had a um, nice uh, apartment with a a view of the Bay Bridge and a little balcony. It was beautiful, but it was not the place for an entrepreneur to get started and to prepare to quit her job. (laughs) So I ended up moving to the North Bay um, to reduce my salary, my salary, excuse me, to, to reduce my rent to cut it down dramatically so I could start increasing my savings. And I didn't have a TV, I didn't have Netflix, I didn't have, um, you know, Hulu, I didn't have any streaming content, AKA distractions, because Mm. it was really about putting in all of that time, you know? And also I told my closest friends, what they knew that I was gonna be starting a business, and I said, hey, you know, I just want you to know that I probably won't see you guys that much anymore, not forever, <laughs> just for a short period of time. While I'm how, wait, how, how did they react? How did they react to you saying, saying peace out for a little bit? You know, support. I mean, they were supportive, and I think I'm sure they're probably like, well, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, especially in San Francisco, everyone, I, you know, almost everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, has this idea. Some people follow through, and others don't. So. Who knows what they they actually thought, but um, but yeah, I you know made made those early um, adjustments to start to prepare for taking yeah. that entrepreneur leap in the beginning. But it's you know you are making those sacrifices for sure. Yeah, well, and and so was there a moment for you where you're like, holy shit, I made it? Like, I like like mm-hmm. I've put on all this work, and you just look back and you like, was there a, a a moment that you said like, oh, okay, wow, I could stop here. 
and it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I think the first time that I kind of that I really felt that way was probably about two years into starting the company. I had um, a very large financial institution, let's say, um, come to me and was interested in acquiring the business. And when that happened, I was shocked. And shocked that it happened so soon because I was not expecting it at that moment. But I think from the, the entrepreneur in, in me was like, holy crap, I created enough value that someone wants yeah. to pay for it, <laughs> yes. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and so that was just like, that's what the, you know, why it was just such a big moment, I would say, as entrepreneurs, like, wait a minute, someone wants to buy this? Okay. <laughs> how, um, how, tempted, how tempted were you? <laughs> Oh, um, for sure tempted, for sure. But it was also like, ah, oh, we just haven't, we're so early, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. there's so much more we want to do. And, um, you know, when we had taken on a little bit of investment at that point, so I was like, no, I want to get, you know, I want to get a good, you know, get this closer to, to, to where we really see it going. So um, obviously we're, we're still independent. So we didn't end up going down that path. It was like a fascinating moment as an entrepreneur and really interesting experience. How, how many, how many times do you, you get a reach out, like an offer or even just like a, a passing by of like, Hey, so are you, uh, are you looking to, to sell? Oh boy. Uh, at least every year. <laughs> at least every year. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Affirming, affirming. That's an affirming thing. That's, that's incredible. That's super cool. Um, Heather, I, I, want to, I want to end with this. I, I, I so appreciate your time. Um, I, I, I want to just, first off, I just want to encourage you. You have so much to offer in your personal brand and in your content that I want to challenge you to do something about it. And I want to encourage you and tell you that there's people that would resonate with your story. Um, they just need to hear it. So, um, can you, can you just promise me that you're going to spend more time telling your story in the next, in the next year that you're going to, you're going to dedicate a little bit just to, just to help other people hear where you come from and what you've, what you've accomplished. Can you just, please, uh, please just promise me that much so that, cause I, I want to make, make sure that when I point people to you that they go somewhere and they find something. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And if cool. anyone wants any content in particular has ideas, please shoot me a DM. Would love to. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, and, and she's uh, shoppable is not available for, for purchase at this moment for, uh, for any, any of those or yeah. So, so let her, let her continue to build it. Um, what, what's, uh, what's one tip that you'd give for, um, for someone that is on the journey, but looking to quit. So they've been doing that entrepreneurial endeavor for about two to three years. Um, and they, there's both a light at the end of the tunnel and then the next day they feel hopeless. Uh, what encouragement would you give to them that just to, to tell them to keep going? Yeah. I mean, I would say two things. One, um, we all have tough days every, you know, every single entrepreneur does. It's a lot of highs and lows. But what I've always given, what I've always told myself is I have a bad day. I'm like, you get one day to like feel it and complain or be in your, you know, blame, you know, whatever you want to do in your head, but you get one day and then you move on. You know, you can't dwell in it. You, you move on and you, you never know. And, and there's this great graphic and I, I wish we could put it up on the screen, but there's this great graphic of someone digging for diamonds 
And you, you never know that that diamond, like if you quit, that that diamond is right on the other side. If you had just dug a little bit more, like you're so close <laughs> to hitting everything. And that even though as of that day, you might feel like you have nothing, but just around the corner are those diamonds is, you know, exactly what you're trying to, to put together, exactly where you're going. So definitely encourage people to, to keep going and, and don't give up. You know, you have your, your conviction, your idea for a reason and keep going with it. Awesome. Well, you heard her, you heard her, everybody, um, have that encouragement. Heather, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Can't slow us down.